The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. So uh, over the years on our show, frankly speaking about cancer, we've interviewed countless physicians and social workers and nurses, oncologists, surgeons, mental health professionals, scientists, to name a few. But there's one person you encounter during the cancer experience who plays a vital role that we have not yet heard from, and that's the oncology pharmacist. And on this episode, we're going to learn more about the role the pharmacist plays in the cancer experience and why that role is so important. We'll be hearing from four guests today who are all active members of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. We've got a full house of guests today. Our first guest is Sarah Hudson DeSalle. Sarah is the manager of the Medication Assistance Program and Reimbursement Services at the Wexner Medical Center and James Cancer Hospital. Sarah serves on the Health Policy Committee of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me today. Our second guest is Patrick Medina. Pat is a clinical pharmacist at the OU Medical Cancer Center and Stevenson Cancer Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He is also the co-founder of both the Scientific Review Committee and the Protocol Monitoring Committee of the SCC and is the editor-in-chief of the Oncology Pharmacist and co-editor of the Journal of Hematology, Oncology Pharmacist. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having us today. Great, great. Also joining us today is Sarah Peters, a board-certified oncology pharmacist and associate professor at the Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Currently, Sarah serves as the president of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting us. We're looking forward to the show. Excellent. And our fourth guest today is Dan Zlott, a clinical pharmacy specialist working with the National Cancer Institute Surgery, Endocrine, Oncology, and Thoracic GI Malignancy Branches, at the National Institutes of Health. He's also the director of the NIH Oncology Pharmacy Residency Program and a clinical investigator on 35 NCI-sponsored trials. Dan also serves on the Board of Trustees of the American Pharmacist Association and is an active member of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you so much, Kim. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, we've got uh, a lot to cover, and as I said, a full house of of, uh, very qualified guests to talk to us uh, about this topic. So Sarah Hudson-DeSalle, let's start with the basics. Um, 
tell us the role of a pharmacist? Thanks so much, Kim. Um, really, a pharmacist is, you know, your healthcare, you know, person that's going to, their responsibilities kind of range from, from like caring for patients, dispensing medications, um, monitoring, you know, your patient's health um, and, and progress that, that help to make, you know, that those medications that you take the, the best um, and have the best outcome that is possible. So really kind of the number one goal of pharmacists is to um, kind of achieve that really good outcome for medications and that help your patient have a good quality of life and with the little amount of risk as possible to that patient. I think that's great. And I think, you know, again, for our folks listening who have a, you know, cancer experience, um, uh, you know, I'm really thinking about their pharmacist as a member uh, of their healthcare team, I think is, uh, is, a, is an important thing for folks to, um, to consider. Let me ask you, Sarah Peters, what uh, educational background and training does a pharmacist require? Most pharmacists these days who are, are new graduates of pharmacy programs have to graduate with a doctorate degree in pharmacy, and they can get there in a number of different ways. Sometimes they come into the doctor of pharmacy programs with anywhere from two to four years of undergraduate work. Um, they go on to a four-year doctorate program after that. And many of us who actually take care of cancer patients will go on to do residency training for one to two years and possibly fellowship um, afterwards to specialize in the care of cancer patients. Um, that is one way that pharmacists um, are trained to take care of cancer patients. Certainly many others are there in the field and learn with experience after they graduate with their degree and, and are there as part of that multidisciplinary team working with your doctors and your nurses. Terrific, terrific. Really helpful, Sarah. Thank you. Um, uh, Patrick Medina, let me ask you, um, help us understand the different roles in the pharmacy. So, for example, what is a pharmacy technician? How does that role differ from a pharmacist? And what are some of the other roles of of folks who may be uh, working in the pharmacy? Sure, Kim. Then, if you break down the name, it kind of gives it uh, gives you a little clue. Uh, it's the person who performs the technical duties of the pharmacy. So, a pharmacy technician does a lot of the physical manipulation of the product uh, that patients are going to get. So, it can vary depending on what type of technician it is. So, our technicians who work with the drugs that patients get uh, intravenously will kind of take the product after it's been confirmed to be safe for the patient by the pharmacist and actually make it. So they'll, they'll go into a special hood in, in, uh, with special venting and equipment and, and actually put the product into a, a way the patient can receive it. And then it comes back out for the pharmacy to check uh, before getting to the patient. So think of it as a, kind of the mechanic doing the technical duties uh, of the product manipulation. If they're kind of working in the outpatient pharmacy, they may be the person who counts the pills or you know, kind of packages the product for the patient to receive. So a lot of times uh, patients will interact with their technicians quite closely because they're the person who may hand them their product or, or be the person delivering the product out in the clinics. Uh, so, you know, they're an important part of the process. You know, as a pharmacist, we have to trust our technicians to, to really get that product uh, out correctly that we can check. Uh, and so that's typically what the technicians do. They can do a couple other things depending on if you're at a research institution or, or more of a community cancer center. Uh, but for the most part, they perform the actual physical manipulation of the, uh, the, the product the patient's going to receive. And the, as as, the pharmacist yeah. hat is more, more patient-facing? 
Yeah, so, you, you know, in our clinic, and, and I'm sure most patients' clinics, uh, the order for the drug will come to the pharmacy, and, and the pharmacist will kind of do what uh, Sarah talked about in the first segment, kind of make sure this is the right thing for the patient. It's dosed correctly. Uh, it's safe to give for the patient for the best outcome that we can hope for. And then they, they kind of pass that on to the technician to actually make the, whatever product the patient's going to receive comes back to the pharmacy and, and then they'll they'll double check it again for accuracy you know prior to it getting out to the patient uh, and, and so that actual manipulation making of the product is most of the time what the technicians uh, do for at least for our patient support they obviously do some other things as far as uh, product management inventory management some of those types of uh, things that need to get done in, in any pharmacy uh, you know as far as other things that pharmacists do I mean there's a ton yeah. of roles. Your pharmacist can be in a variety of places in your cancer center that you don't, you, you may not even know about. It. So we have pharmacists who go see patients with their doctors in the clinic. And so when you're when you're getting your exams or your your initial visits, you may have a pharmacist uh, in there with the physician asking you about your medications, making sure the doctor kind of understands some of the medications you're on to see. What they want to prescribe in the future uh, is is safe for you. We have pharmacists who work to dispense actual product that you take home. So there's there's oncology pharmacists who who basically, with specialized training, would be similar to your pharmacist at a CVS or a Walgreens in mm-hmm. the sense that you would be packaged a product to take home. But uh, typically, they will have more training to make sure it's safe to do. And then we have the pharmacists who are IV pharmacists who who kind of look over those those intravenous or those drugs you're going to get through your vein uh, and, and make sure they're safe. And Dan, you know, probably can expand a little bit. We also have pharmacists who work with investigational drugs who kind of uh, are on the, the research end uh, of oncology pharmacy who kind of help develop the protocols and uh, research studies uh, to, you know, advance cancer care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly helpful. And again, I think very enlightening perhaps for our listeners. I don't think they really even imagined um, the expansive role that the pharmacists are, are, are playing in care today, specifically in, in a complex area uh, like uh, like cancer care. Dan, um, we, we've got a, a couple more minutes until uh, uh, until our break here, but let's let's take a couple minutes to go back into the history books here, Dan, and tell us a little bit about how the role of the pharmacist really has changed over time and really bringing us into this area of very specialized care. Absolutely, Kim. So I think, you know, traditionally when most people think of pharmacists, they think of the person they get their medication from. Um, And while that's still Mm -hmm. true, pharmacists are increasingly playing an important role on the healthcare team. Um, As Pat alluded to, there's a lot of things we do that are a little different from that traditional role. Um, Really, I think if you wanted to uh, underscore it, you could summarize it by saying that pharmacists are the medication experts. And as a result of that, I think many physicians and other members of the healthcare team Um, have increasingly come to rely on pharmacists to help them use medications safely and effectively. And so uh, I'll just give you a kind of a personal example of what I mean by that. Um, I work in a hospital, um, but I don't work in my hospital's pharmacy. Um, I see patients along with the rest of my medical team. I go on rounds in the morning. I see them in the afternoon. Um, I'm responsible for helping the team manage medications used to treat nausea in my patients. So I actually make the selections of medications. I do the dosing, um, select all of that. Uh, and really, my team relies on me. And I'm, I'm 
the person who helps them manage all of my patients' nausea. I also regularly review my patients' labs, um, and I can make adjustments to any medication that I think needs to be adjusted based on how well uh, patients' uh, kidneys or livers are working. Um, Sometimes those we have to change the amount of drug that we give people based on uh, how their kidneys are are working over time. And so I'm able to do that on my own without uh, my doctors uh, overseeing that. Um, So as you can tell, uh, this goes pretty far beyond uh, just supplying medications to patients. And increasingly, um, you'll see that these are the types of rules um, that are becoming very common for pharmacists these days, um, and that's both in the hospital setting, in the clinic setting, and even in the outpatient setting um, when you go pick up medications um, maybe at your local pharmacy. So uh, definitely a lot of change over time, and I think this is a trend that we're going to see continue. Dan, just a quick question before we go to our break here. Pat talked a little bit about, you know, you know, sometimes the role of the pharmacist is, is to really be at the bedside with the patient and the doctor talking about uh, talking about the patient's medications. Is that something that is unique to cancer, to oncology, or is that common in other uh, disease areas? Is it because of the, the, sort of the complication and specialty of cancer medications? It's definitely not unique to cancer. Uh, again, increasingly, um, pharmacists across any, any specialized area and even general medicine um, are increasingly being called on to help our, our patients use medications safely and effectively. And that includes both explaining how the medications work to our patients, helping them understand how to take the medications properly, as well as talking to patients to assess for side effects they might be having, uh, looking for um, other medications they might be taking which might affect some of their medications. So, um, and again, you find that almost across the board in almost any practice area these days. Great. Excellent. Good to know. Uh, This is Kim Tebaldo. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We are talking today about the important role that pharmacists play in cancer care today. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you break away from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. 
The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, NovoCure, and Taiho Oncology. We're joined by four guests from the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association, Sarah Hudson-DeSalle, Patrick Medina, Sarah Peters, and Dan Zlot. Um, Sarah Hudson-DeSalle, let me ask you, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit in this segment about the difference between a general pharmacist and a specialty uh, pharmacist. We've all, of course, had that experience, you know, walking into our, into our CVS, into our Walgreens, you know, grabbing the prescription you know, the antibiotic for, uh, you know, strep throat or whatever it is from, from uh, our, uh, our pharmacist. But, you know, give us a sense of what the, the, uh, the, the local pharmacist uh, does, and then we can try to kind of illuminate the difference in what really a specialty pharmacist is. Sure. Sure. That's a great question, Kim. You know, and, and I think that is um, kind of to, to talk about, there's a lot of different types of pharmacists in that, that aren't just, you know, you have your retail pharmacist or your community pharmacist and your hospital pharmacist. You know, there are those folks there, just to name a few of them, you, know, like you have your community or retail pharmacist, you have pharmacists that work in like mail order pharmacies, managed care pharmacies, nuclear medicine pharmacists, IT pharmacists, you know, hospital pharmacists, um, and like folks like me that I work, I kind of work behind the scenes and do a lot of things with like reimbursement and access. Um, so there are some pharmacists that actually then decide to do actually some additional training after pharmacy school, um, after that education that they've re- received and they complete like a residency or extra work to learn how to become specialized. And of those folks that have done that first first year of specialization, they actually go on to seek even an, an additional an additional training, um, usually an additional year of, of areas such as cancer and such as, um, and then that practice is specialized and then they work then alongside um, the physicians and the patient care teams either on an inpatient side or outpatient side in the clinic to help to make those medication choices that are the best for the patient in their therapy. So they're very um, unique. So for kind of simplicity's sake, a general pharmacist would be someone that hasn't had that extra training to become specialized. So like that pharmacist that you see in a local pharmacy, grocery store, retailer, their responsibilities typically range from like dispensing medications, sometimes monitoring some some patient's health. Um, They'll do like blood pressure screenings, depending on, it depends on kind of that care that's there. They can even do immunizations, 
help to monitor some and optimize some medication therapies. So they play, they're playing also a greater role in, um, in the care. Uh, and kind of when I first got out of pharmacy school, actually, I worked as that general pharmacist. And, mm-hmm. you know, those, those folks, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different work than in, in the hospital. And so it is, um, you know, I think lots of times in the hospital, folks are a little bit behind the scenes or they're within the team and folks don't think about how my pharmacist is helping my, my care. Yeah, and I imagine those, you know, sort of frontline general pharmacists, you know, particularly at the sort of retail level or, you know, play, play more than the role of pharmacist for, uh, for, for many patients. And I know they have a, a lot of pretty deep interaction. Um, I, I have a brother who has a, a, a pretty serious chronic illness and, and uh, he raves about his pharmacist and she's just so, you know, wonderful and, and, and kind and, and, and supportive. And he really does view her as, um, you know, as a part of the team. So uh, I know that can be a, a complex and sort of multi, multifaceted role beyond uh, just dispensing the medication, that's for sure. Um, Dan, I wanna, I'd like to ask you to take a minute to maybe pull back the curtain uh, around the work that you're doing at the National Cancer Institute because I think it's a little bit of a different angle, an interesting angle. I know you're a clinical pharmacy specialist uh, at the National Cancer Institute. Um, tell us a little bit about that work and that role. And then I know you also oversee the pharmacy residency program at, at uh, Oncology Pharmacy Residency Program at NIH. Tell us a little bit about that work as well and what the residents there are doing. Sure, Kim. Uh, so what I do at NIH is uh, sort of, it's a combination of a number of different things. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a, a clinical pharmacist, so I see patients along with my team, uh, and I'm really involved in the day-to-day care uh, of my patients. So um, a lot of my patients actually almost don't distinguish me from the physicians on the team. I'm just another one of the doctors that they see. Um, and so that's something that's probably one of the favorite part of my day is getting to interact with my patients and, and helping to mm-hmm. uh, make their time with us better um, and manage some of their, the, the toxicities and the problems that they're having just related to cancer therapy. So there's that part of my job. But the thing that makes us unique at the NIH is that every patient that we see is participating in a clinical trial. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's a little bit different. Um, there's a research protocol that we have to follow. Um, along with that, we're also providing standard clinical care. So it's sort of an added layer uh, of restrictions that we have to work within in order to be compliant with the rules of the protocol. So um, I do a little bit of that. Uh, I also help uh, our researchers write some of their protocols. So uh, a lot of times as they're coming up with an idea, they'll come to me and ask, they'll, they'll bounce some of those ideas off of me and ask me to write some of their, uh, their protocols for them, mm-hmm. um, help them understand the medications and, and how they can be used safely. Um, so that's, that's a bit of what I do. Um, and I think we can get into some more details in that a little bit later on in the show. Um, and in terms of the residency program, um, that's also another one of my favorite things is being involved with our residents, um, getting to train them. Essentially, uh, they're, they're just finishing up their first year of residency when we start with them, and we have a year uh, to teach them how to be uh, an oncology pharmacist. 
And so um, it's very intensive. Uh, they spend a lot of time in the hospital with us uh, seeing patients, uh, learning about all the different drugs, learning to talk to patients and teach them about those medications. Um, they learn about the different cancers um, that patients can have and how to treat those safely and effectively and the, the drugs that we use and the common side effects of those drugs. And again, mm-hmm. how to help patients deal with all of those. Um, so it's, it's really a lot of information for them to learn, um, but yeah. it's, it's really exciting to see them uh, grow over the course of the year from uh, someone who doesn't know a whole lot about oncology into yeah. someone who's ready to go out there and actually start taking care of patients on their own. It's one of my favorite things about my job. I bet it is. That sounds terrific. And we certainly know that those who, you know, choose to uh, work in, in uh, oncology in any aspect are, are certainly a special breed and, and uh, uh, have a high level of you know, compassion uh, about the work that we do, knowing the challenges that the, that the disease uh, brings. Um, Sarah Peters, let me ask you, uh, uh, we're, we're touching on it a little bit, but talk a little bit more about the role that a pharmacist plays as a member of the patient's healthcare team, because I'm not sure that that... that all cancer patients are necessarily thinking about the pharmacist in that way, but I think that you and your colleagues are really enlightening our listeners about the critical role that the pharmacist does play in all aspects of care. Thank you. That's a really great um, question and, and really important observation because um, I think sometimes we are the best kept secret um, in the healthcare team and cancer care. And, you know, in some cases, um, pharmacists are out there, as others have mentioned, directly interacting with patients. Um, I, in my clinic, I actually meet directly with the patient as part of their visit when they see their doctor. I review their medications with them, uh, not just their cancer drugs, but all the medications that they take uh, home from all their other doctors. I check them for drug interactions with their chemotherapy, especially when they're giving oral chemo pills to treat their cancer uh, because so many of them have drug interactions. Um, I also make um, recommendations to their physicians for changing doses of their medication as their kidneys start to um, change or have lower function or their liver starts to have different function or they have these drug interactions um, in their cancer drugs or even their their regular medicines. I sometimes call primary care physicians or their their general physician um, to let them know that things have been changing in their lab work and um, some of the medications that the other physicians are prescribing might need to be adjusted. And so I get to actually meet directly with the patient. Um, I also review side effects with patients to help them make a good decision about therapy or what treatment they actually want to receive um, among the choices that their physician may be uh, recommending to the patient to help them make a decision. Um, And I've also met with patients whenever they've had uh, different questions about their medications. So I I actually am in a position where I routinely see patients, but many pharmacists, um, they are behind the scenes. They are in the pharmacy. They play a very important role in patient safety. They're checking the orders to make sure the doses are correct, um, that everything lines Mm -hmm. up in terms of their blood work and everything is safe. Um, But you can always talk to your nurse. You always see a nurse when you come in to get your IV uh, cancer treatment. And if you have questions about the medication, um, you can ask to see your pharmacist. And, and the nurse can um, call them to come and mm-hmm. see you. And they will usually you know, find a way to come and see you if you have questions specifically about mm-hmm. your medication. And you know, that's really that's what pharmacists great. are trained to do. That's our specialty or the um, drug experts. So yeah. you shouldn't be afraid to ask to see your pharmacist if you to have any questions that. about any of the medications great. you're taking. Great. 
Yeah, that's very, uh, I think that's very helpful for our listeners to know. And um, uh, Patrick Medina, I just want to ask you one uh, question. We've only got a, about a minute and a half, and a half until our break here, but um, we, we've talked about sort of the specialty pharmacist, but what, what we hear in oncology about the specialty pharmacy. And uh, tell us about that. What is a specialty pharmacy in oncology? Sure, and certainly a hot topic in oncology uh, and yeah. in pharmacy in general. Uh, basically, especially pharmacy, they were designed to deal with drugs that either were high cost or were complex to manage. And it started mm-hmm. out mainly IV and, and diseases like um, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, HIV, uh, and other diseases, but they're really increasing in importance in oncology. Basically, for what it means to for patients, are these are drugs that have a limited distribution, meaning they can only get them from certain pharmacies, uh, typically through a mail order type of mechanism, uh, and and the access is limited to those pharmacies. So they specialty deal with those oncology drugs, uh, so it, it means limited access, specialized order and instructions. Uh, insurance pre-approvals, a lot of things that go into the specialty pharmacy practice in oncology. And as oral medications are increasingly used in these cancer patients, they're going to yeah. deal with a specialty pharmacy. Uh, and, and again, they're going to, uh, this is going to be an important part of their cancer care in, in yeah. their treatment course at some point in time for almost every cancer patient. So these are basically yeah. limited access pharmacies that, uh, that mm-hmm. can distribute specific drugs for patients. Got it. Got it. And yeah, well, maybe we'll take a minute in the next segment to talk a little bit about oral therapies in uh, oncology. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're taking an inside look at the pharmacist's role in cancer care. Don't go away. There's a lot more to cover. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by AstraZeneca Lilly Oncology and Insight Corporation. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and we're talking about the role of the pharmacist in oncology care today. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about more about the patient interaction, patient engagement. Um, Sarah Peters, uh, let's start by talking a little bit more about the pharmacist's role in the patient experience. Um, talk a little bit more about the ways in which pharmacists engage directly with cancer patients and with their families? Well, there's a a couple of different ways that pharmacists participate. You know, in some cases, pharmacists routinely see patients um, to provide education and give them really detailed information about side effects and how to take their medication for cancer, especially when they're oral therapies. Um, They help them understand the scheduling of their cancer treatment. And so they may be just a normal part of the whole overall visit that you have. You might see your physician, your pharmacist, and your nurse um, as part of an initial visit, um, depending on the the resources that the cancer center has. Um, In other ways, um, Sarah Hudson-DeSalle, who's on the line with us, actually helps patients get access to their medications. There are pharmacists who run very comprehensive programs to help them with copay assistance, patient assistance programs that are offered through drug manufacturers to help bring down um, sometimes the very high cost of some of these medications, again, particularly when they are oral medications. And so pharmacists are often advocates for patients and get referred patients to help them not only understand their medications, but to help to afford them as well. In some cases, so Sarah, pharmacists are... Yeah, Sarah, let me, let me just talk for a minute then about that. We, we keep making this reference to oral chemotherapy and oral medication for cancer patients, which, you know, maybe if some folks are not as entrenched in the cancer conversation, they might be surprised to know that today there are oral chemotherapies or that you could take cancer treatment in a, in a, in a pill form. Can you just talk about that, Sarah Peters, and, and really the importance of, um, uh, again, of sort of engaging with the pharmacist, understanding medications and side effects, and really what to look out for in terms of those side effects. Absolutely. In the last um, 15 years, there has really been significant advances in the research of cancer. And, you know, a lot of the research money that has been put into developing new drugs for cancer have been focusing on pill forms of treatment. You know, it helps patients to be able to go on to live your normal life, usually with um, minimal side effects. You know, they're different than getting IV chemo. They're still side effects, but they, you know, usually are manageable and things that we can, um, you know, manage with over-the-counter treatments or making dose adjustments, but we allow you to not have to come into the infusion suite every three weeks um, to get your treatment. Um, There are new oral drugs that come out every year to treat cancer for more and more types of cancer, you know, more indications, so we're going to start to see that occur more often. But a lot of these drugs, even though they allow you to kind of go out there and live your life and not have to come so often to the doctor's office, um, they come with concerns. A lot of them have drug interactions. They have food interactions. Sometimes they're taken um, with multiples at a time, sometimes multiple pills at dose. 
Sometimes there's breaks in treatment. So sometimes they are still complicated to understand, and your pharmacist can be really helpful in designing a calendar for you and reviewing all of the complexities of the treatment. Um, you know, even though they're oral medicines, they also have to be handled in a very special way. They have to mm-hmm. be um, discarded in a special way. Those are also um, important ways that pharmacists can help you and, and provide you with information. Yeah, and I think also, you know, Sarah, the importance of the, you know, family member in all of this, right? Oftentimes it is the family member perhaps who's helping with the management of the medication and needs to have as much of an understanding about that as the patient. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. You know, patients, family members are, are so important to the overall success that a patient has with treatment. If they if they don't have really good support at home or assistance, you know, they, they sometimes do not do as well. And so, you know, we definitely treat the whole patient, and that includes, you know, making sure that their support system is included and that their questions yeah. are answered um, as well. Yeah. Um, Pat, let me ask you a question. So if, I, if I'm a patient with cancer, is it possible that I'm still interfacing with my regular pharmacist in my CVS, but then also perhaps interfacing with a specialty pharmacist? And I guess that would lead me to the question of how, how important is it that maybe they're communicating with each other or how is important is it for me to be as the patient, you know, really open and honest and making sure everybody's sort of in the loop on what's happening with me? Sure. I mean, absolutely. It depends, obviously, on, on the size of the cancer center you're dealing with, but typically most patients uh, will receive medications from multiple sources, unfortunately. So you may be receiving your blood pressure medicine from your CVS type pharmacy, one of your cancer drugs to your cancer center, and then maybe even a third medication through a specialty pharmacy. Uh, and so, you know, that fragmented care can be an issue for certain patients. So it's absolutely incredibly important to be honest. We know a lot of our patients... Um, to be honest, I want to bother doctors with some of this information. They want the physician to focus on their CAT scan results and how well their, their tumors are responding. And they could be honest with the pharmacist about things about side effect management. Uh, you know, some, something as simple as whether they're taking the food, uh, the medication with certain foods like grapefruit juice, which they wouldn't even think about, can decrease the effectiveness of their cancer. Uh, drug and so they had to let the the pharmacist uh, or you know physician other person but typically the pharmacist know these things so that we can tell them the importance of you know this really needs to be taken on an empty stomach or really needs to be taken with food or if you're having a little bit of side effect like nausea like Dan talked about let's get on top of that you know before it becomes a problem where we have to stop your cancer medication so you know a lot of times we know here at, at our cancer center. Uh, our patients don't want to bother physicians with some of this stuff, and it's a perfect opportunity for the pharmacist to, to sit with them and talk to them and, and, and get the real answers <laughs> to some of their questions that they're just hesitant to tell anyone else. Yeah, but it is, I think, reinforcing the point that, you know, it is a complex system today. It's a fragmented system, and, and you really, as the patient, need to do as much as you can to be empowered, educated, and take some control over what's happening with you and, and, and make sure that you know what's happening and that folks are you know, talking to each other, including uh, including the pharmacist, um, Sarah Hudson Desal. This is I want to ask you a question, and this is a loaded question. It's a bit of a complicated question, but because you are on the health policy committee uh, of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association, I think it's best to direct this to you. But there's a lot of change happening in our healthcare system. I would say maybe at this point more questions than answers. Are there changes that patients can expect when it comes to their prescriptions, or are there you know, maybe is there some guidance or tips? 
or or general questions that patients should be asking as we're sort of living in this in this rapidly changing world, um, you know, particularly as it relates to their prescriptions and their coverage. And and I'm super happy to to answer this question. And I think part of it is of like understanding the healthcare system and and as we've seen, you know, changes that have been slowly coming in the last decade of and really that it's it's kind of and many of your viewers are probably going to say, oh yes, I I've seen this that the, it's kind of that shift of where they're paying more and more each year, um, where if they have an employer or maybe even like a Medicare plan, their cost share has been a little bit more each year as kind of the cost of care has increased. And so I think for for patients, they can probably be, you know, for most likely to expect to, to have higher copays as as we as we go through. And we worry about that in cancer because some of these medications are pretty costly. And with those mm-hmm. oral chemotherapies, we want to make sure that patients don't 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 make a choice um, between the cost of care and then their health care. If that if that you know kind of makes sense, in that what are ways that we can find to make sure that that patient can access the medication so they can get that medication without, you know, going into bankruptcy or any type of, um, of debt. And that's, and that's really, that's what my team um, at the James has done that, that we do in Ohio State, um, that we help patients find resources to help them to pay for their medications, whether they're oral medications or IV medications. Um, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, pharmacists across the country, they, they are a great resource in many ways and to, to help to find are there lower cost therapies and in cancer is one of those that sometimes there's not that opportunity to do that but you know maybe for you know maybe for some of their 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 medications that help for their nausea or some of their their blood pressure medications or their insulin or their inhalers what are some of the things that can kind of offset that that cost of care for that patient that may make the the other higher copays a little bit more manageable so you know a pharmacist sits in a really really great role they're they're accessible to that patient and you know when you ask about it there's there's some resources out there and so we're trying to teach as many people as we can about how to find um, these resources uh, that's, I think, great advice, Sarah. I appreciate that. And, you know, again, want to encourage our listeners to think of the pharmacist as a member of their team and, and really that idea that they could help with navigation, they could help with cost, access to resources that, that patients may not know about or, the med- you know, other members of the medical team may not know about, but that the pharmacists are really tracking these costs and may be able to be helpful. Dan, we've only got a quick minute um, until our break, but how can I reach my pharmacist uh, uh, you know, if I need to, and if I if I want to talk to the pharmacist, how do I do that? Uh, sure, Kim. There's really no one best or right answer here. Uh, I think pharmacist, how you can reach them if you have questions. Um, yeah, I think some centers uh, have phone no- a phone number where you can reach a pharmacist 24-7. Um, other pharmacies might, uh, or pharmacists might give you an email address where you can reach them. So um, sort of like how different physicians like to be contacted different ways, just ask your pharmacist. Uh, don't, don't be shy about it. Um, we're, we're here to take care of you. And so uh, we want to talk to you and we want to make sure that all your questions and needs are met. And if you're inside of a a cancer center, Dan, and where the, the pharmacist is maybe not as, as sort of frontline, 
let's say, as your CVS, then you can ask another member of your medical team to connect you to the pharmacist there? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, as Sarah said before, um, if, if you have questions about your medications and you're not mm-hmm. seeing your pharmacist, definitely ask one of the nurses, ask one of your physicians okay. to speak with the pharmacist. Terrific. Great advice. Great advice. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, Today, we're taking an inside look into the role that pharmacists play in cancer care. We're learning a great deal about the uh, critical role that pharmacists do play, and we want to make sure our listeners are uh, paying attention and getting some good tips and advice from our great panel today. We're going to take a quick break here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We've got more to cover in our last segment, so don't go away. We will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our show today is sponsored in part by Selgin Corporation, EMD Sirono, and Takeda Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're closing out our show today on oncology pharmacy with four representatives from the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. Uh, Sarah Peters, um, I want to take a couple minutes 
as we get towards the end of our show to talk about support and resources for patients. Um, but first, I want to ask about the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association. Tell us about your association and your members and really the role that you play in the pharmacy and cancer communities. So um, we, we are fondly known as, as HOPA. Uh, we were formed officially in 2004, and we're a professional society composed of oncology pharmacists and technicians um, who specialize in cancer care. And our vision is that every cancer patient will have a pharmacist on their care team. Um, as an organization, we are uh, very well known for providing you know top quality, highly rated um, educational programs to um, support pharmacists to take care of cancer patients to make sure that they're very well prepared um, to help patients along their cancer journey. We also have a very active advocacy agenda. We do a lot of lobbying um, on behalf of cancer uh, patients and supporting um, systems that optimize uh, cancer care. Um, We also um, do a number of other things to try to support um, pharmacists in their roles in, in taking better care of patients. We also now are venturing into providing more resources directly to patients. So on our website and our resource library, we actually have a couple of links available, and we're hoping to have these expand in the future that are some sources for patients. One in particular are links to some patient assistance programs that are out there um, to help patients afford their medications. In the future, we should be having some additional um, patient education materials um, hosted on the website, um, which is just hopa.rx.org, um, for information. So H-O-P-A-R-X.org. That's right, yes. Ter- terrific, and there are some resources there uh uh, for uh, patients, Dan, um, let me ask you: additional, additional tools, resources to help patients better understand uh, their medications. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we're we're uh, you know in an interesting world today where there's the uh, you know where where we can do direct to consumer you know marketing and advertising of pharmaceuticals in this in this country, which is different from certainly some other. Uh, some other countries, but if patients really want to have a better understanding of their medications, potential side effects, um, where can they go for that information? Well, for for oncology, uh, actually, the NCI, the National Cancer Institute, uh, has a lot of fantastic resources uh, for patients. It's cancer.gov. Uh, you can find information about medications, uh, including investigational medications, things that are being trialed. Uh, you can get in touch with uh, people who are conducting trials if you have an interest there. Um, but they also have a great um, resource for just general drug information. So that's a great place to go. Um, and I think, in general, Ask your pharmacist. Um, ask your pharmacist. We're really a great reference for you. We can point you in uh, very specific directions based on what cancer you might have or your family member might have, uh, and we can get you the resources that you need. Uh, Sarah Hudson Desai, you talked a little bit about the cost of care, and obviously we know that uh, uh, we know that the cost of cancer care can be a significant burden for patients. We actually published a report at the Cancer Support Community in uh, the fall about uh, the, the access challenges that patients are having and um, the, the really the unexpected cost burden of uh, a cancer diagnosis. And the, and the majority of patients who responded to our study actually were insured. They had insurance, but there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of burden. Are there any resources, Sarah, that you can uh, guide our, our listeners to that would help with the cost of care? I know Sarah Peters talked about the website expanding other places or resources where you can point patients as they're dealing with the cost of care. 
Yes, Kim. There, I mean, for for the listeners that are out there, especially around the new IV and oral chemotherapy medications that are available, and some of the supportive care medications that are there, um, you know, for some patients, they they may be able to get help through the pharmaceutical company in just the form of like some cost share, some copay cards that help to decrease the amount of copays. But then there's also nonprofit grants that are available through like Patient Access Network, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Cancer Care. Health Well, um, The Caring Voice, and these others are just a couple um, that lots of times will help out, but they're based on what disease you have and those medications that that, that are given with that. And sometimes they, they cover copays that are related to the medications, but then they sometimes help with transportation and some of those, those other costs that are associated with um, cancer therapies. A good search engine that folks can go to is Needy Meds. Dot org. Um, they have, um, and it is, it's a, it's a great different search engine that, that you can find medications, different grant founding foundations, um, places that you may be able to, you know, work, find pharmacies or folks that will work with you to, to possibly, um, you know, put on some type of a payment plan or a grant that might be available for patients to, to get information or get help. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, those are, those are uh, uh, certainly uh, helpful tips for folks because we know that it, you know, it's enough of a shock to be diagnosed with cancer, but then when folks are dealing with the cost of, uh, of uh, the, the whole range of their care, really, I mean, we certainly know that some of the cost of the medications and, and uh, uh, you know, co-pays and deductibles are, are a part of the cost, but, you know, as you mentioned, transportation, childcare, lost wages, things like that are also uh, you know, implications of a cancer diagnosis that maybe folks do not anticipate. So um, certainly getting the word out and uh, letting folks know about all these resources is critical. And I'm glad to hear you're investing more in your website and the resources that you're uh, making available. Pat, as we get to the end of the show, final words of advice or takeaway that you want to uh, leave with our listeners. I mean, you're right, you know, in, in, in the heart uh, in the heartland of America, in the heart of a cancer center, OU Medical Cancer Center, um, and uh you know, really dealing with the patients on the front line. Any final word or, or tips in the last moment or so that you want to share, Pat, with our listeners? Yeah, I just want to reiterate what a, a couple of people have said, and I think for the vast majority of your listeners who haven't spoken to a pharmacist uh, in their oncology treatment, to really ask ask to speak to them. I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, a large number of, of listeners and, and patients still haven't, uh, you know, seen an oncology pharmacist. And, you know, once that initial contact is made, we can help with anything from copay assistance to side effect management to talking to your doctor about other medications you're on. And so I think that the vast array of services you'd get uh, are, are really uh, going to help out a, a lot of aspects of your care. And, and so for those listeners out there who haven't spoken to someone, uh, ask your nurse, ask the, the person taking you know your vital signs, you know, do we have a pharmacist here? Can I speak to someone? Uh, and I think uh, they'll benefit greatly. Great. I think that that's, uh, I think that's great advice. This has been a really wonderful um, and enlightening show today, and I just appreciate all four of you so much for being on the show today, and I appreciate the work that you're doing 
with patients to support them, to educate them, to help them find the resources to get the medications that they need and, and um, really be you know, engaged and active patients in their, uh, in their cancer journey. I just want to take a moment to remind our listeners about all of the resources that we have at the cancer support community. We have uh, in-person programs at our affiliates around the country. Uh, we have uh, support online over the phone. You can call our helpline at 888-793-9355 to speak with one of our licensed counselors. Again, if you're grabbing a pen, that's 888-793-9355. Um, we uh, also have a host of resources on our website at www.cancersupportcommunity.org, and you can find a host of information um, on the website. Uh, I would also encourage you to join our grassroots advocacy network and become an advocate for care. And uh, we'd also encourage you to join our cancer experience registry so that your voice can be heard. Uh, We have now over 12,000 patients in our registry, and we'd like to hear from you. Uh, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Thanks for joining today. And until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Support Community.org.